What's up and welcome to the Ask Father Josh Show, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, and catechesis. The list will go on. I will sit with your questions, pray, and study them, and then hopefully respond in such a way that it's good for you become a saint but my disclaimer is this i'm not perfect therefore the advice i share with you the response i give to you might not be good for you so if that's the case please reject whatever it is that i say that doesn't help you to grow in your relationship with god but if my advice is helpful but difficult i really want to encourage you to lean into god more in prayer and study and fellowship and service to the poorest of the poor so our lord jesus christ can give you the graces you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship in your walk toward heaven if you are a first-time listener you can hit me up with your own questions at www.assistionpress.com slash askfatherjosh you can also rate us and review us on itunes and other podcast formats this helps other people to find out about the show if it's a gift for you potentially it could become a gift for them as well on today's show we're going to talk about traveling while dating we're going to talk about making a prayer list and how do we fraternally correct a brother or sister in christ who is new to the faith we don't want to lose them too soon, but we also don't want to um, allow them to persist in sin if it's not good. Well, you know, sin it, sin's never good for us, so how do we walk with them? Well, uh, but before we do that, we got a glory story to share with you. Glory story this week is simple. It's just the gift of praying with scripture before the presence of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. Our team at Christ the King, under the leadership of Father Andrew, prays on Tuesdays together. And it's just been very beautiful how whenever he's inspired with a particular scripture verse for us to pray with, we do. And to hear the fruits of my brothers and sisters in Christ and their prayer, Jesus, is just a gift. And so I don't know if any of you who are listening are involved in ministry, but if you are, I would highly encourage you to to pray together if you're not already praying together, to pray as a team, pray with your priest, pray with your staff, pray with your volunteers um, before the Blessed Sacrament so that God can inspire everybody to be on the same page, to be on, 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 on His mission to, so that we won't be doing our own thing, but we'll be doing the will that the Father has uh, established um, for us to do in our walk toward heaven. We also got some feedback coming in from Tandy. Tandy writes this. I want to thank you so much for your podcast. It's made the world of a difference to my Catholic formation. Absolutely love the format, music, glory stories, and the singing. The hand of God is working wonders in you, and I pray that you will continue to do what you do. You keep it 100% and truly consider each question before you answer it after much prayer. Tandy, well, Tandy, thank you so much. Please pray for me and my team, our team, as we continue to try to uh, be a bridge for more people to grow in their relationship with God and the church. With that being said, let's jump into our first question about dating.
first question comes in from Anonymous. Says this, Hello, Father Josh. I was wondering if it could be a sin to travel with a boyfriend, even if we book two hotel rooms or stay in separate bedrooms in an Airbnb. Could it be a sin of scandal because of what our friends think? Is it better to not travel at all together before marriage? Thank you for your answer. Uh, so in general, I would say it is advisable that you do not travel together alone while you're dating. I'm all about friends traveling and friend groups because you can hold each other accountable. You can protect each other's virtue because we are all weak. We are all fickle. And if we go by ourselves with a boyfriend or girlfriend, there's already some probably sexual attraction there. Um, there might be some tension there. And if you are in an Airbnb together, even if you plan on sleeping in different bedrooms, the fact that you are in the Airbnb together can be a near occasion of sin for you to be unchaste with each other in the living room or in or in the bedroom, because who's to say at some point you might not end up being in the same room. Even with the best of intentions, it's best that we avoid the near occasion of sin. And like you said, there's also an occasion of scandal as well. It could appear that you guys are hooking up and that could encourage your friends to do so as well. Or your friends might be like, well, they were able to go to um, a hotel together and sleep in two different rooms, or they were able to go on an Airbnb together and sleep in two different bedrooms. So we could too. And then they try it out and all of a sudden they start falling all because they were motivated, inspired by your witness of you doing it while you were dating. So I would just encourage you in general, um, wait till you're married to travel together. Or if you're going to travel together while dating, do so in a group, if at all possible. I understand it's not always going to be possible, especially when it comes to international traveling and stuff like that. But when it's possible, it is advisable that you do not, you don't do that. And if you did do it, you did it with the group. So hopefully that was helpful. Very simple. Uh, but yeah, two things are avoiding the occasion of sin and avoiding the occasion of scandal. All right. Next question comes in from Amy. Amy writes about prayer. She says this, how do we prune our prayer list? I started writing a prayer list a few years ago. I just jot down names as life happens, and I pray for each person as part of a 3 p.m. prayer time. However, the list has gotten long, and I'm starting to feel resentful and dread of how long it takes to go through the list. Some days I feel connected to each person as I pray, but most days it feels rote. I'm thinking I should rewrite the list to be shorter. Several names. I don't know whether their issue is same or resolved. Your advice is appreciated. Thank you for your weekly inspiration. My favorite part of your podcast is a glory story. I started thanking God out loud for little things so that my kids would hear me giving praise constantly, like when my coffee is perfect or I get a great parking spot. <laughs> me too. When it is my coffee, I always think of you, Amy. Thank you so much, Amy, for thinking about me. I've been thinking about you. So, um, yeah, I used to have a long list in seminary and I also got frustrated with it. And so I would just encourage you, honestly, if you write their names down and the intention you can check in with people every now and then to see if the prayer has, um, you know, been answered or responded to in a way that is, you know, supernatural. But in general, if you write the name down, you don't have to read it every day. The name's already written down. So pray your rosary for everyone whose name is on your prayer list. Pray Divine Mercy Chaplet or Liturgy of the Hours for everybody whose name's on your list. Offer up a holy hour or a fast and penance or the holy sacrifice of the Mass for everybody whose name is on your list. But you don't have to sit there and read their names and the intentions over and over and over again. Because that can take away from the time that you can spend with Jesus and gazing at him as he gazes at you and looking at him as he looks at you and listening to him as he listens to you and speaking to him as he speaks to you in the scripture and in, in the church's teaching. Uh, so I just would encourage you to, to limit the amount of time that you spend in intercession um, and prioritize more time in relational prayer um, with the Lord, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So um, definitely write their names down, um, but you don't have to like read every single one of them. That would be very, very difficult and could be distracting you from what God is trying to tell you whenever you set apart that time for prayer. I mean, you 
Rena, you have kids, so I, I imagine your prayer time is already limited with kids because they can be loud and noisy and it can be very crazy. So I would encourage you to like just keep their names written down, but don't read every single one. Like just you know, if you want, ask your angel to inspire you to look at one name per day, but like don't look at the whole list and and, and ask the Holy Spirit to receive everybody on the list you've written down and the different prayers and penances that you will perform throughout your day. So hopefully, Amy, that was helpful. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question about fraternally correcting a uh, brother or sister who is not like all the way in, but like, you know, kind of practicing in their faith. Do you find it difficult to enter into the mysteries of the rosary? What about personally applying them to your life? Drawing from the writings of the saints, the Bible, and Catholic tradition, Matt Frat has produced Pocket Guide to the Rosary, a masterful work that teaches Catholics how to truly meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, how to pray the rosary like the saints, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your prayer life and improve the way you pray what St. Padre Pio called the weapon of our times, we invite you to check out Pocket Guide to the Rosary by Matt Frad. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we're back. Don't forget you can hit me up with your own questions at www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. Last question comes in from Anonymous who writes this. My question has to do with fraternal correction. More specifically, I'd like to know how to not only lovingly correct somebody I'm close to who's a semi-practicing Catholic, i.e. goes to Mass sometimes, who's felt judged by people in the church, but also invite them into a relationship with the Lord so the person on the receiving end doesn't feel like our faith is just a random list of thou shalt nots we need to follow. Thanks in advance. So I think a few things that came up to me while in prayer. I recently went to a talk that was given by um, a person who travels the nation speaking about exorcisms and healing and deliverance ministry. And one of the things that she spoke about whenever you're dealing with people, or maybe it was a couple, it was, it was her and there was also a couple that was speaking, but uh, who, they also travel the nation speaking about marriage and family life. But quite often in the, in the church, the attitude that many people have is you need to behave first and you need to believe what we're saying and, and then you can belong to our, our particular church ministry or Bible study or parish or whatever. And that's not the way of discipleship. The way of discipleship is belong first. You belong here. Whenever we recognize that we belong, then we are going to be a lot more open to believing what the church teaches because we feel a connection with the people who've told us that we are welcome in this place. And so we invite people to come wherever they're at. And once they come and they know they are loved by us unconditionally, they will be a lot more open to receiving the truths of our faith the morals of our faith, the virtues of our faith, the teachings of our faith, and they will come to believe in them. And once people believe, the fruit of our belief system is our behavior. Our behavior will then change little by little over time. And so I would encourage you to make sure that you are inviting your friend and welcoming your friend and uh, affirming your friend that your friend belongs in church. Your friend belongs with you, even if they're semi-practicing right now, they belong and that will, I think, open them up to believe better. And then from their belief will come behavior that is rooted in the gospel, behavior that is that of a disciple of Jesus Christ, of a lover of God. Whenever we give people the rules without relationship, they will always lead to rebellion. If we start with the rules before we are in relationship with people, they're not going to listen to the rules. So we got to start with relationship. And then while in relationship, we don't water down the rules. We give the rules, but from the 
from the perspective of we are in relationship with you no matter what. So, yeah, and so especially whenever they they felt judged by by people in the church. Now, again, that doesn't mean you don't not correct them. Like you lovingly correct them by doing this, letting them know that you have a conversation and say, "Hey, can we can we talk?" And then tell them what the conversation is about. That way, they don't have to like wait in anxiety about what you want to talk about. When you meet with them, begin by affirmation. Tell them why you love them. I love this about you. Give them examples. And then after you say what you love about them, tell them, this is how I think I've messed up. Here's ways that I've, I've definitely hurt God in my walk with them. So that way they know you're not trying to be, that way they know you don't think you're perfect. And here's how I think I may have hurt you. Here's some examples of sometimes I was short with you or I was sarcastic with you or I didn't affirm you or I wasn't there for you or, or whatever. I didn't have time for you. And then after we acknowledge how we are broken, how we are still on the journey, then we are invited to say, and, and here's some things that I've noticed in you. You know, fact is you didn't come to Mass past two Sundays, you know, made me feel a little uneasy because um, the church teaches this about, about worshiping God. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what Jesus wants. Um, so give them a fact. Give them the way it makes you feel based on the facts of God's word. And then ask them what you can do in the future. Like, give them freedom that you can't force them. We can't impose, but saying, you know, what can we do in the future so that um, I don't have to feel concerned about this, you know, this, this action that you're doing or this, this relationship that you're in that is not good or, or, or whatever it might be. This this group you participate with that you know they are unjust and I just don't think it's, it's it's good for you to be with you know associated with that group that's persecuting people you know whatever it might be right um, and so that's that's I think one way you could do it and then also just to invite them to a deeper relationship with the person Jesus that's all about prayer you have to first and foremost witness your own interior life be a person of prayer and then invite them to join you in prayer. And then see if they want to walk with you in accountability by holding each other accountable to personal prayer. And uh, Bible studies are super helpful. When I was a pastor at Holy Rosary, I watched a lot of people experience profound transformations through participating in small group Bible studies. And so I definitely encourage that, um, uh, as well as getting proximate to the poor. If you have the MC Sisters, the Missionaries of Charity in your community, or any St. Uh, Vincent de Paul soup kitchens or homeless shelters or Catholic charities doing works of charity also, I think, draw people together. Uh, go on a mission trip with the, with each other. Um, go to a retreat or a conference with each other. Those things are, are very helpful to help people to have deeper encounters with Jesus, to help to cultivate that relationship with Him. And then from that deeper relationship will come a desire to follow all the rules that He gives us. Even if they are difficult for love, we will do the craziest things. Like Sammy says in the old school song from like 1996, the crazy things I do for love. So, um... Yeah, so that's the crazy thing to do for love. So uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God, give us the grace to just fall more in love with you, to receive your unconditional love. Jesus, you tell us in the scriptures, as the Father's love me, so I love you. God, I ask that you just give us the grace to perceive perceive that love that you give to us freely, that you generously pour out to us, that you want to give to us, that you desire to share with us. God, give us the grace to uh, to receive the love that you have for us, to not long for the love of people, but to long and ache and thirst and desire for your love and only your love. We ask this prayer, Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. All right, y'all, that's the end of today's show. I look forward to continuing to walk with you. Don't forget to hit me up with your own questions at www.ascensionpress.com slash Josh. And you can tune into our Ascension Presents YouTube show, the Ask Father Josh Show, uh, which airs every other Tuesday on the Ascension Presents channel around 2.30 p.m. Central. With that being said, I will see you in the Eucharist until I see you next week.
Deuces. Mm-hmm.